Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have a special guest. Ben is joining us. That's all you get. You're just Ben now. Um, ben, how, how do you feel? <laughs> you know, I, I feel pretty great. Um, just one week. Think about this. Just seven days ago, it almost was a doomsday scenario in Colorado basketball, as in we really just lost to the Washington Huskies. That's what fans were thinking, you know. But you fast forward now, they had that huge 18-point comeback that we talked about over the weekend, and now you come out with, you know, it, it had its moments where it was a great game. You know, there was an offensive explosion in the first half and very sloppy in the second. We'll get into all that, but the point is you come away with a, a very solid victory, a 12-point win over you know a team you should beat but you beat them pretty handily and now you position yourself third in the Pac-12 and the best part of that too is fourth place right now is Arizona so really you've got a nice buffer as far as where that first round bye comes in the conference tournament and on top of that you know 13 and 4 you're feeling great about your postseason prospects yeah seriously like it it doesn't feel like it's only been a week and I'm glad you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing when this game ended. I was like, "This, the Buffs are in great shape. They look good. They they have basically left every door open to them. Like they they haven't screwed anything up too big th- at this point." And I was like, "Wow, what a turnaround from where they were." And I was thinking about, I was like, "A, a one week ago, two games against Washington State ago." That's all it took was beating Washington state twice to feel this good about where the buffs are. Like, it's kind of a weird thing, but that is what we were saying. Even if I didn't like totally believe it at the time we were saying like, okay, now you got to beat Washington state twice and then you're in good shape. And now you still have like four games left of a homestand four really important games. But before we get into like what happened in the game last night, what happened or what, what is going to happen uh, this weekend when they play Utah next, um, I know I, I hadn't thought about that yet this morning. And as soon as I like started that sense, I was like, probably should have double checked that, but yeah, it is Utah. <laughs> um, but, but before we jump into like all the analysis and all that kind of stuff, I want to talk about just where the buffs are in the standings and where they are is in third place with, uh, UCLA in front of them in first place, um, at eight and one us USC in second place at six and two. And Colorado at seven and three right behind him. Now, what what really just kills me about where the Puffs are in the standings is that 
before Oregon went on the pause, they were scheduled to play, I believe, US. No, I think UCLA today and then USC on Saturday. Both of those could have been losses for USC or UCLA, really condensing the top of the standings. And if not, then those would have been losses for Oregon, who, I mean, technically Arizona's in front of them, but Arizona's not in the postseason. So really, Oregon is in third place at four and two. Makes you do a whole bunch of math in your head to figure out how far back they are. But you are going to get losses to, to three of the top four schools, the, the, the three that aren't Colorado, and that's just brutal to not have coming in this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this season it, it's just going to be – and I think it was Silverbuff this morning in the Discord asking about, you know, what's going to happen with the standings if there's unequal games. I'm pretty sure it's just win percentage at this point. I don't think it's anything else. And, you know, it, it does it, – it is a bummer that Oregon had to go back on pause again because, you know, not just from those potential losses to the teams ahead of Colorado, but also just because – Oregon being a competitive basketball team is good for this conference. You know, I think it's Joe Lenardi right now and his bracketology has a Pac-12 projecting five teams. Um, and obviously those are going to be UCLA, USC, Colorado, Oregon, and Stanford. And, you know, it, it just is better for the conference when Oregon is good. I will say, though, you know, even without those games, UCLA, they are no longer unbeatable. You know, and, and obviously it's because that lost to Stanford. But what's interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah. is because they have been beaten. <laughs> they have been beaten. In fact, yes. But that loss to Stanford was the, with 0.8 seconds left in the game. Mm -hmm. That was a complete mental lapse on defense to allow a cutter to go right to the basket for an easy layup to beat them. And that's just fascinating because UCLA, Mick Cronin, this is supposed to be a defensive team. And when push came to shove they really broke down so that's not to say they're not a good basketball team that's not to say that I don't think they're still going to win the conference because I do but there are holes in that armor and now you look you know Colorado they're seven and three USC right now at six and two they have the edge from win percentage standpoint Colorado is really one and a half games back of UCLA now that's that's really a great spot to be in especially when you get another head-to-head -head with them at home uh, to end the season. So things are really in a good position for Colorado as far as where the Pac-12 breaks down. But kind of all that is with a grain of salt because they just have to take care of business at home. I mean, yep. the margin for error for Colorado right now at home is so slim because after you've got the next four at home, you go at Stanford, at Cal, at Oregon, at Oregon State. That is a brutal four-game stretch. And then you return home to USC and UCLA, which, you know, you love having those games at home now. But that six-game stretch is pretty much against the cream of the conference. So, really, it's going to be tough. And that's not even including, as well, home games against the Arizona schools. So, Colorado's schedule is not easy uh, for the remainder of the, the, this way out. And that just makes Saturday's game even bigger against the Utah Utes because – Washington is no longer just a one-win team in the conference. They beat Utah. They're on a two-game win streak uh, for, for the Washington Huskies, which, you know, I guess makes that loss look a little bit better. But Utah is one of those teams where they have the talent, but right now they're middle of the pack, and you just need to take care of business in a convincing way against them. Yep.
and and you look at the schedules and not to harp too much on the Oregon pause thing, but when, when we're talking about how slim the margins are at the top of the conference right now, and UCLA was supposed to be starting a stretch today that was Oregon and then Oregon State, which, okay, not that bad, but then Oregon again, and then USC. You're, you're getting a loss in there. Like, yeah. I know you, UCLA is really good, but I am confident that some, somewhere in there, there's a loss. The other team in front of Colorado, USC, obviously travel partners with UCLA, so very similar schedules. But Oregon State today, um, they were supposed to play Oregon Saturday and then uh, Stanford on Tuesday and then UCLA. So, so you're, you're getting all of these tough teams finally supposed to be handing each, each other some losses and it's just not happening. And that's why the buffs need to take care of business at home, put themselves in a good situation. And that road trip afterward is it's going to be huge. Um, and, and it could be huge if, if things go well during the homestand in terms of like trying to take down UCLA and get to number one in the pac 12 or if things don't go so great in the home homestand, then you're competing to stay in that top four spot. Um, we're kind of getting into crunch time here. It's time to start scoreboard watching because there aren't a whole lot of games left. We've, we've, we've like made the turn. We've made it through the first time playing all these teams. And now you're going back through the second and this is the home stretch really. Um, any final thoughts on kind of that sort of, thing where the buffs are stacking up right now ben you know it's just so tough to tell right now i will say you know oregon state is actually making a case to be a a real contender you know they're sitting at eight and five right now um and and they had some cancellations some postponements of their own but this three-game win streak they're on one point win over arizona state two point win over usc and then a nine point win over oregon they're putting together a little bit of an impressive resume right now as far as getting some really big wins in there. So now you look them going at USC and UCLA. If they can steal one of those games, that makes me feel better about obviously the Colorado standings in there. But then, you know, kind of conversely, Oregon State is the one Pac-12 team Colorado has not yet played because of their own cancellation. And Oregon State's going to be traveling here on February 8th to Boulder, Colorado. So they're they're another one of those teams where right now, you know, they're sitting at seventh in the conference and you're like, okay, that that should be a nice win. I'm sure the Buffs are going to be favored by eight points or higher in that game, but that's still going to be a, a difficult outing. So Really, when I look at the Pac-12, it just makes me anxious because (laughs) there are still a lot of disruptors in this conference. There might only be five teams that make Mm -hmm. it to the NCAA tournament, but Oregon State and Utah in particular, Mm -hmm. they, they can really make some noise. And Arizona State as well. Look, we've never been as high on Arizona State as national uh, people have. They're sitting at 12th in the conference, last place. But that is still a team with a ton of weapons. And Remy Martin should scare you, you know? Mm -hmm. So even that team that, again, Colorado is probably going to be favored by eight or more points in that game. That's still one that scares you. So to me, every night is just kind of – every game that they play is just kind of a a deep breath because it could really make or break this first-round buy in the tournament, and we know how important that is because Colorado in 2012 is the only team to go 
four straight to win the Pac-12 tournament. So getting that first round by is going to be key mm-hmm. if they want to, you know, win a game in, in the Pac-12 tournament and maybe bump them up a seed line come come NCAA time. And the, that list of teams that you could lose to, I, I think it's time to throw Washington on that list. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of crazy to say considering where they were. But now, I mean, their last game out, they beat Utah. The game before that, obviously, they beat Colorado. We won't talk anymore about that. Um, and, and the game before that, they lost by five at UCLA. That's not a bad loss. And they were actually up with like less than four minutes left. Um, so who knows? Maybe they're starting to turn things around after a whole bunch of turnover on the roster. They could steal so some uh, wins coming up against, you know, Oregon, USC, UCLA, all or no, Stanford's next up. That's four of basically the four top teams that aren't Colorado in the next six games. I would rather they weren't all playing Washington now that I think of it. They, they still don't scare me that much, but um, <laughs> that's all good stuff. Uh, the Buffs are in um, a surprisingly good place considering they just lost to Washington a week ago. Um, actually, I do have one more question for you before we move on. Um, Oregon State today at, I think, 3 o'clock our time is taking on USC on the road. USC favored by 12. Who you got? I I think Oregon State covers. Okay. I, I'm not going to take the money line on the Beavers at USC. You know, they they stole they not really stole, you know, they, they beat the Trojans on their home court just two games ago by two. It was a close game. Again, Oregon State, they've got some momentum, but for them to go on the road and 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 beat them again. I, I don't know that I'd put my money on it. Um, but if you are an eager Colorado fan and want to bet on everything that helps them, uh, you know, maybe you sprinkle a buck or two on it because this team is playing well. So I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. Um, but yeah, I, it's going to be tough. And, and for them to turn around on Saturday and play UCLA, you know, again, if you're a Colorado fan, you're just on your knees praying that the Beavers can upset one of those two teams. Um, and in that case, you hope it's UCLA uh, because that uh, another loss to UCLA would really, really help um, as far as this last month goes. Agreed. Um, there's an awesome deal going on right now with Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Um, obviously, they have like a whole bunch of great beers. The, the Avalanche, the Strawberry Sky, the Colorado Core is one of my favorites. Um, but you can actually have those beers delivered to you on a Zamboni sometime next week. If you, Oh no, wait, no, this week. Wow. I'm not good with weeks. No, I think it's maybe this is the weekend. I'm not doing the math right now. It's the, it's the 30th and the 31st five deliveries per day. Breckenridge has teamed up with the Colorado avalanche to deliver beer using Zambonis. Um, obviously you have to live in Denver because it takes a while to get Zamboni's places. They aren't fast, I, I don't think. Um, but today is the last day to enter. Um, today is the 28th. Head to breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes or breckbrew.com and then click on the Zamboni link and sign up. That's it. You have to be 21 to enter. You have to live in Denver. Um, and then there's just a lottery and they're going to pick some winners to have beer delivered via Zamboni. Plus you get other stuff like the dope avalanche LED lights that they have. Um, and then they'll deliver to five winners on the 30th, five winners on the 31st. It's an awesome deal. So make sure you throw your hat in the ring and see if you get chosen. Also, 
our old friends and the former presenting sponsor of this podcast, Green Mountain Dental Group. Um, do you or anyone you know need a job? Because Green Mountain Dental Group is looking for an experienced office manager slash bookkeeper. This is a salaried position with great benefits. The office manager's role is to organize and coordinate administrative duties and office procedures. This job requires 10 years of office manager experience. Other duties include preparing payroll, monthly financials, experience with a variety of office software, ordering dental supplies, handling marketing and advertising, supervising staff, etc. This team is an incredible group of people to work with. Please call them today. If you or anyone you know is interested, call 303-988-0711 or head to their website, greenmountaindentalgroup.com for further information. Um, also, if you need your teeth cleaned, you can do that there. They're huge Colorado sports fans. It's a family-owned dentistry. Um, the exact kind of business that you want to be supporting right now. And they get great reviews. Conveniently located just 15 minutes away from Denver and downtown Lakewood. Uh, that is Green Mountain Dental Group. Awesome stuff. Get out there. Okay. Um, so... The Buffs won last night, and before we get into the details, I want to ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you think the Buffs performed yesterday? Um, I'd say probably a 7 or an 8. You know, at the end of the first half, I'd be inching towards a 9, and the second half, probably a 5 or a 6, so I'll split the difference there. You know, it it is disappointing that – Colorado is is getting wins and they're picking up wins in, in a convincing fashion, but they still really have not put together that complete game just yet. Um, really, you know, against the good opponents. I think Oregon was as close as they've been to a, a complete game. You could probably throw USC in there, but and college basketball it just feels like it's been so long. You know, they they won against Utah, but barely. Cal, that was a beatdown. Uh, Stanford, you know, that was also very good. But the problem with the Stanford game is their three-point shooting was either incredible or awful in just different stretches. So it was nice to see them put together a holistic shooting performance like they did against Washington State, 46% from the floor, 59% from three is the big number here. You know, they shot well. They made more shots than Washington State did. They shot it at a better clip. And then on top of that, too, in that second half, when the Cougars started to get close, Colorado really went back to kind of their bread and butter of getting to the foul line, being mm -hmm. aggressive on offense. McKinley Wright, 11 of his 16 points came from the charity stripe. He was perfect on the night from the free throw line. Um, not all of them were perfect shots. He, he had a very generous rim uh, last night, but it doesn't matter. So those are all, you know, positive steps that you see Colorado taking to, to take care of business. Now you head to Utah, or I'm, I'm sorry, Utah comes to you. And this is a game where I really would like to see them put together more of a complete game. You know, stop this drop off where there are points where, they're turning the ball over a lot, you know, just for, just for stretches um, and, and just kind of clean that up because it gives that little slimmer of hope to the other team. Um, and that just makes it kind of tough to watch if you're a fan of this team, because, because other, you know, their opponents can get back into it and whatnot. So, you know, still a solid win. You, you scored or you beat them by 12 points. Um, but 
you would like to see some more consistency as far as the turnovers in those kind of lulls. You really want to limit how many runs Washington State's able to go on because the 10 to one run that the Cougars went on in the second half really made that a game when it wasn't heading into halftime. Yep. There, there was just that five minute drought and outside of, it was like 14 minutes to nine minutes outside of that five minute period, the buffs played great basketball. You know, it wasn't necessarily like perfect for the other 35 minutes of the game, but it was very, very, very good basketball. That's when most of that run happened. That's when they cut it from like a 15 point lead down to six or something. And it, it just, it just sucked, you know, up to that point, everything had gone very well. I guess like the first couple of minutes were a little bit shaky, not even shaky, just back and forth, like early basketball. That's all that was. And then they, the buffs just had their big run and they sustained that lead that they got in the first half for that, that had to be 15, 20 minutes. And then it just dwindled away. And, and when that happens in the second half, like it's something you just wait for. And, and I knew that the Buffs were going to win the game, not new, but I was very, very confident that the Buffs were going to win that game. But when they did go up, um, it was when they were up like 13 or 14 or something. I, I took the Washington state money line because I was like, this, this is going to get narrow at some point. That's just what happens in basketball games. The team that has the big lead doesn't hold on to that whole lead. And I didn't play my hand perfectly and wound up losing that money. That's beside the point though. The point is it does suck that that happened. And it's a thing that has happened with the buffs consistently, but also it's just a thing that happens in basketball is that when a team is down, they typically do at some point go on a run to narrow the gap. Now this gap got narrowed all the way down to six. That's what you want to avoid. Um, but to the buffs credit, they did at least keep Washington state at arm's length throughout, you know, they never got back to where it's like, okay, well, if this shot goes in all of a sudden it's a tie game or the Cougars are back in front, you know, the difference between letting that get cut to six points and letting that get cut to three points in my mind is huge. Um, because, you know, that was the difference late when, even when they were fouling and all that at the end of the game, they didn't have a very clear path to come back and win. And, and that's really all you can ask for, um, out of a team is to be putting yourself in that situation at the end of the game. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, I just want to echo that too, that although that run they gave up, like you said, they got within six points and that is concerning um, that you let that lead dwindle to that much. But, but like you said, they showed resiliency in their ability to bounce back. The other thing that Colorado showed tonight, which they have not really shown almost all season is they did not start slow. They had their foot on the gas pedal in that first half and they kept it down. I believe there were seven of eight from three heading into halftime. Incredible stat for them. For, for this team to be shooting above 38% from three is kind of the, the number. That's the number you have to hit as a team if you want to be competitive. I mean, you look at their one bad loss was to Washington, and they were one for 16 from three. I mean, that is historically bad. That's tragically bad. That is a fluke. Uh, in, in most statistical aspects. So for them to come out and show, we do have that ability to hit it from deep. And it came from a variety of, of places. You know, I wrote in my takeaways article last night that the backcourt was surprisingly quiet outside of McKinley Wright because 
it was just a very well-balanced game. Nobody really had to take over. Now, obviously, Jariah Horn and Evan Batty did, mm-hmm. um, and that was a huge reason for this, this kind of balloon of their offense was because they were just having their way, whether it was batting on the block or Jariah Horn kind of in the post or from deep. But as far as the backcourt goes, it was just a very balanced attack, which led to a high shooting night. Um, and, and the three-point shots came from McKinley Wright, Deshaun Schwartz, Dallas Walton had one. You know, Jariah Horn, Maddox, Jabari, and Keyshawn, they all had hit threes tonight. You know, so that's, that's a great sign for them. And that does alleviate two of the main concerns for this Colorado offense, slow starts and three-point shooting. And so now it just comes to the point where now they've shown they can do it at a very high level. I mean, they were shooting the ball at a very high level from deep. Now can they put it together? Can they have a game where Evan Batty has a double-double, but they still shoot 40% from three, you know, and they get those turnovers under 10, um, and, and they still go about 87% from the free throw line, something like that. A truly balanced game against a good team because that's what you need if they're going to bump up to a, a line win. You know, I, I listened to the CBS – bracketology podcast with with all those guys and they talk about these seed games um as far as like it drops you down a line or it bumps you up one depending the washington one definitely dropped colorado down to seed. um but the good news for the buffs is that happened in january so they have the ability to bounce back now you'd like to see them not even against utah really i'd like to see it against arizona state or arizona pick up a quality win there play your best basketball get in the national limelight and bump yourself up because Bracketology is projecting these buffs as a seven or eight seed right now. I think that's grossly underrated for what this team has accomplished. But when I see it from a national perspective, um, you know, they, they still have not had necessarily that complete game. So that I think is the one component that is missing to really get Colorado into the four or five line. Yeah. I, th- I think that that makes sense. Um, I want to talk more about Evan Batty and, uh, uh dry a horn just because i feel like they for a few games now have really been playing well together in the post and and i know that there was like a, a late turnover from batty that was like on a little pass where he got doubled from dry and he tried to like push it between them and and it looked bad for sure but at the same time he'd made that pass earlier in the game and it worked and, and those are the types of things you're starting to see. And, and when I spend as much time as I do, and I think you do too watching the Nuggets, you see a lot of the similarities, in, in, I think, in how these two teams play. There is a lot of spacing. There's a lot of really good passing. There's a lot of, like, just, just savvy players. That's a very good word for what they are. They just know where they're supposed to be, and they make good passes. And, and it's the kind of basketball that, is very clean and very structured. And I wonder if you think that's the kind of basketball that succeeds in March, or are you better off being a team that maybe is more fly by the seat of their pants, throwing up a bunch of shots and seeing if they get lucky? Well, it, you know, it, it really does depend. You know, the, the first team that kind of comes to my mind is you think of Oklahoma with Buddy Heald a couple of years back. And Buddy Heald's dropping 30, 35, 40 points a night, and they push in the final four. And that worked for that Sooners team. The problem is, is Colorado, and I'm not going to say never because who knows what happens, but right now their program just does not attract those type of players. 
they cannot garner that level of talent. Now, Jabari Walker is still an incredibly talented basketball player, and we could have a whole podcast series talking about every aspect of his game. But for this Buffalo's team in particular, no. This is the way they win. They are not the type of team that's going to go out there and just kind of play loose basketball and see which shots can fall because they just need the structure to kind of give them the platform to succeed. This is very much a team that needs to see the ball go through the hoop early to give them the confidence moving forward. Um, you know, and the difference between that and another team is the Buffs don't have the shooters mentality necessarily. Now, Maddox Daniels might, but the team as a whole, their confidence is not, oh, well, if we miss 10, we're going to make the 11th one. They just don't play with that same kind of mentality necessarily on a night-to-night basis. Now, that comeback against Washington State kind of combats that argument well, but the fact is Evan Batty and Zariah Horn give this team the floor that they need because they both can kill the opponent's team's front court in so many different ways. Evan Batty is – playing with a level of emotion and aggression that is one of the top that I've seen from a national perspective, just as far as the way that he attacks rebounds and he goes in and rips it out of the defender's hands. And on that missed free throw, how he grabbed the offensive board and twisted around and took a guy jumping on his back and he fell on the floor, got up and sank the free throws. You know, that is just heart. That is just, determination that you can't teach some of these other blue chip prospects <clears throat> excuse me and then you turn around a dry horn who is just your prototypical stretch four, who's making all these wonky shots in the post like there was one early in the game where i call it a fadeaway but i don't even know really what it was and then turns around he's still three for five from deep it is you're right their chemistry is not quite on the level that evan batty and mckinley wright have but it's getting up there um, because both of these guys are experienced. They have a ton of basketball knowledge and IQ. And that is why Jariah Horn is not starting, but he's playing over 25 minutes a game. You know, Dallas Walton is talented, but he is yet to break the 20-minute mark. And part of me thinks maybe that he just gets that early five minutes in the first half, wins the jump ball, you know, and then goes to the media first time out, and then they kind of play it by year after that. And maybe that's just what their plan is for him this season. But Jariah Horn is so instrumental to this team's success. It really cannot be understated. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and both those guys, like McKinley Wright is obviously incredibly important to this team, but you could make a case that they, those two are kind of like the motor to it all. The guys down there grinding in the paint, like that is where you get your consistent points. Like, I feel like when you're the Colorado Buffaloes, you look at those two and say, we're getting 15 to 20 out of you two every single night. And that just has to happen. And, and we can work around other things and the shooting might be there and there might be turn whatever, but that just has to be there. And you could be nice if it was more points than that. Um, you talked a little bit about Evan Batty being playing very uh, emotional spirited basketball. Am I crazy to say that I think that that might just be like rubbing off on Jabari Walker? No. You, you, you look at the what he does, and definitely a different player than Evan Batty in a lot of ways, but he gets on the floor last night, comes in, knocks down a three-pointer, and then on the next time down the court, uh, grabs a, an offensive rebound, puts it back up and in, and gets the foul. And 
it, it feels like the Evan Batty, like under the basket, like those sorts of emotional type plays that Jabari's making now too. Yeah, Jabari Walker last night, and he only played 10 minutes. It came out after the game that he was late to the bus shoot around earlier in the day. So that's why he was on a first half minutes restriction. Tad Boyle did say, you know, there's no further punishments, nothing like that. It was just to set an example. So even in his 10 minutes, seven points, three rebounds, and on defense, two very big blocks. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, several pass deflections. He was not afraid to jump and try and undercut uh, passes. He did draw a foul on one of those. And then on the offensive end, he was called with a charge because he was flying to the basket. And, you know, I think if you are a guard in that situation, you see that you had a player in the corner open for a kick three. Um, But for Jabari Walker, it's so fascinating because he's so young and with those limited minutes, he just wanted to get to the basket with this just intensity. And so although it backfired on him in that specific play, he really was kind of running around last night like his hair was on fire. And absolutely, I think Evan Batty can be attributed to to setting that tone on uh, in the front court because it's that passion and that energy that makes up for talent gaps. Um, and Jabari Walker might be this team's one of the, one of the team, <laughs> excuse me, this team, one of this team's, one of this team's players. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. He's pretty down. <laughs> he's pretty good. The point is, is that energy level is just going to bring him to a completely, completely new seal. All right. Um, I know you got to get out of here. Um, so we're going to move really quickly first. I'm going to tell you guys about zoom care and then we're going to get your quick thoughts on this Utah game. Um, so be prepared. What worries you about Utah and what do the buffs need to do to get another win? Um, but first I want to tell the fam about a new partner that they can support zoom care. The one great thing that we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of our own homes. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor to, for that matter. But we all need to take care of ourselves. So what is video care? Video care is like a trip to the doctor just from your couch. You can see here and chat with your doctor just like a traditional doctor visit. You get secure access to urgent primary and specialist care, including mental health. And video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from a doc sitting in your own living room. To help this partner out, um, they need to see an increase in video visits from Colorado. So check them out today and see just how easy it is. Zoomcare.com for all the details you need. All right, Ben. Um, what, what are you most worried about when the bus play Utah? I, which Utah team are we going to get? Are we going to get the one that beat Stanford by 13 points and beat Washington State by almost 20? Or are we going to get the one that lost to Washington and lost to Cal and lost to – or, you know, this team is just the epitome of inconsistency in college basketball. They've got guys that can make plays. You know, Timmy Allen is one of the most underrated players in the conference. He does not have the ability really to stretch the floor. And that's probably why he does not, you know, get the same attention because he, he's a very traditional forward. Mm-hmm. But 
he is still a very talented basketball player and he has the ability to really pop off. He had a stretch there, 23 against Oregon. He had 19 when the bus played them on January 11th, 22 in their win against Stanford, 26 in their loss to Cal. He has the ability to go off. And the other, the other guy I'm extremely worried about is Alfonso Plummer. He just seems to be, I mean, he, he's, he is like, if you're a Nuggets fan watching the Utah Jazz, um, Jordan Clarkson in the playoffs comes off the bench and just scores at will. And that terrifies me. So for Alfonso Plummer, again, you know, what Plummer are you going to get? Against Colorado, he had 16 points. He was splashing in some deep threes. But there are other games, too, where he is completely off the radar because that's just the kind of guy he is, is just a scorer. So if Colorado gets Alfonso Plummer on an off night, I think this should be a, a pretty easy win um, as far as because then you really only need to worry about Timmy Allen. With that being said, though, there is so much ambiguity with this youth team. Just stay with it to the end because this is another one of those games. You know, we talked about Washington last week as a potential trap game. We both said it is going to be closer than people think. Um, this is another one of those games where Utah is not exactly anything to write home about, but this could be another, you know, three, four, five-point game. Yeah. Um, key for the buffs, you get to pick one. Uh, points in the paint again. Uh, that, that's been my go-to that well, just because it's the combination of Evan Batty, Dallas Walton, Jabari Walker on offense, but also their ability to limit guys inside. When you're playing a team like Utah with Timmy Allen, and, and they've also got you know some other guys that can, that can score inside, just try and limit that. If you can win that margin or even tie it, I think you win the game because I think Colorado has the ability to convert at the free throw line and hit more perimeter shots than Utah does. So just keep competitive in the inside. You should be good. All right. That's good stuff. That's going to do it for today. Uh, Colorado has four games left in this homestand um, with the next coming Saturday at 1230, right? It's, it's no longer 730 and the ESPN app has not updated that. So make sure that you have it in your brain, 1230 on Saturday. I believe we'll be doing a post game from the bar. And from there you go, Arizona State, Arizona, Oregon State, and then you hit the road and play some tough teams. A big game. Uh, Thanks, Ben, for jumping on talking about it, and we'll talk again Saturday after the game. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Patiently awaiting oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle
Molly, get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram?